0: Welcome back to The Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host Tim Elias, VP of Strategic Initiatives at americaneagle.com. On September 15th this year, Jitterbit and americaneagle.com collaborated for a conversational webinar with e-commerce integration experts to discuss the findings outlined in our new ebook, 5 Common E-commerce Integration Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. And now over to Jitterbit Senior Director of Product Marketing, Carol VP of Marketing at eBridge Connections, Lindsay, and AmericanEagle.com's Director of Integrations, Derek.
1: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and a warm welcome to today's fireside chat with Jitterbit, eBridge, and AmericanEagle.com. My name is Carol Akramowitz. I'm Senior Director here at Jitterbit of Product Marketing. And with me today are Lindsay Hampson, VP of Marketing at eBridge, eBridge specializes in e-commerce integration technology, and Lindsay works with clients on assessing their integration needs. Also with me is Derek Swick. Derek is Director of Integrations at AmericanEagle.com, a longstanding Jitterbit partner. We've worked together on numerous e-commerce integration projects for many businesses, and I'm very happy to have you both join me.
2: Thanks, Carol. Thanks for having me
1: so our topic today for today's fireside chat is common mistakes firms make when tackling e-commerce integration projects let's face it e-commerce has been supercharged during the pandemic and in fact according to mckenzie 10 years of growth was compressed into three months in 2020 and last year over 2 billion people purchased something online and spent more than 4.2 trillion dollars it's happening everywhere from countries where online shopping was already underway to more traditional businesses, where in-person cash-based transactions had previously been the norm. So what this means for companies is they need to integrate their e-commerce systems with the rest of the businesses that, applications that run their business. But there are many ways for these types of projects to get derailed. And we recently wrote an e-book to familiarize executives and practitioners alike with some of those common but easily avoidable errors that we faced helping our customers link disparate systems. So, of course, we'll share the entire ebook with all of you, but today we're here to chat about what some of those are. Uh, Both Lindsay and Derek have worked on many integration projects for clients and have some key insights to share about avoiding these pitfalls. So let's have a conversation today about some of the best practices for tackling these types of projects. So let me kick things off with a question. What are the workflows you see e-commerce businesses doing manually before they can afford or tackle integration?
2: Great. Why don't I jump in? I'll get the ball rolling for you, Derek. (laughs) I get the easy one. I'll pick the low-hanging fruit, which I've heard personally from so many different suppliers and merchants, which is orders, sales orders. So maybe they started an e-commerce business and they put up a store and it's looking pretty good and they start getting orders and they realize the very first problem, which is that order pileup. And so having to input exactly what somebody ordered their address, the quantity, the price, the taxes, all into their maybe super old ERP or accounting system. That seems to be one of the the biggest uh, problems or workflows that that's manual that we hear about anyway. I call it like the order pile.
3: Yeah, 100%. That rekeying process is all over the place. And it's the first thing that folks want to get away from. But it's one of the most challenging pieces to get away from as well, right? Because that order has so many components to it. It's got that product data, the order, customer data, billing data, accounting data. So to automate all of that with these systems, sometimes very old school legacy, QuickBooks, desktop type applications, is very, very challenging for sure.
1: So you'd both agree kind of the sales orders is the first piece. What other workflows do you see e-commerce businesses integrating
2: yeah, the uh, the next one that I I see, and Derek, jump in anytime, is um, is shipment. So orders is one thing, but then I, I it's kind of like that high five, that virtual high five as a customer. When you get the tracking number, you feel all warm and fuzzy because it's really happening, and you're really getting something delivered. So as an e-commerce business, it's super important to get that right. And so that's usually the second most popular workflow that we hear about is shipment which is related obviously to inventory and a bunch of other things we talk about, but I would say number two, shipment.
3: Yeah, and in part, it's driven off that outcome of it's customer service is taking in phone calls or taking in emails of things we hear a lot of is where is my truck or where is my shipment? Where is my order? By integrating these components, you're addressing those things through your digital technology, right? So that often becomes that second thing is let's get the order statuses integrated. Let's get some visibility into where things are at, which alleviates a lot of that Customer service and support that's needed post order.
2: That's true. And my favorite term of last year was Wizmo, which is the where is my order. It's like what the cool kids say, you know, where is my order, Wismo. But everybody wants things yesterday for sure. The other thing we hear about is inventory. So uh, a lot of e commerce agencies would store their inventory in maybe a PIM product inventory management system. Maybe they store it in their ERP, maybe they store it in their Shopify store. So it, it could be all over the place, but obviously it's super important, especially when people are selling across multiple channels. Maybe they have an Amazon store and they have a few Shopify Plus stores. And um, so making sure that they don't sell items they don't have um, is, is another workflow we, we hear about too.
3: Yeah, and I do want to tack on to a couple of things we're talking about here. This spans the gamut from small business all the way up to large enterprise. You'd think that the large enterprises have this all figured out and, and all automated but it's it's not and in some cases it's even more challenging because the processes and the red tape up in enterprise is a lot thicker and deeper than we we see on the small business side so often we're when we're trying to understand what an order export or a uh, order status sync looks like We'll get responses from enterprise like, "Oh, well, that's in, that's in Pam's head. I think she's got it on a post-it note on her on her screen. She's she's got it all figured out." And so, to articulate all of that's happening to make it the big wheel turn manually and digitize that can often be more challenging on the enterprise side than, than small business for sure. But it's the same challenge that everybody faces. Is we've all been conditioned by uh, Amazon and, and other big guys to. Order things easily, right? Frictionless is a, a common buzzword for anybody playing bingo today. They want instant notification, instant gratification for, for shipment, for returns. And to make that all happen, we've got to outline and, and document a lot of these processes and, and translate that to data. It's
2: true, yeah, for
1: sure. So tell me, you know, kind of once you've made the case to start an integration initiative, what are some of the best practice steps you see firms following?
3: Yeah, so I'll start with my first question is why? Why are we doing this integration? Right. And there's often a very valid reason, well, it's, it's the stack of those orders I've got to key into is too large. It takes too long to go from a completed order to into our accounting system or ERP or fulfillment system. It's more we need to solve a business challenge. And so then we have something to measure against, right? So what's the goal that we want to achieve? And then how do we, what strategies do we implement to get there? And that's where bringing in you know, a partner like you guys, Jitterbit has been a longtime partner of ours and eBridge as well both two tools that I added to the American Eagle Solutions Toolbox many years ago, can help us in terms of connecting those systems and solving for those requirements.
2: Yep, I agree. There's lots to think about. So if you, you don't want to boil the ocean, and we can get into that. Um, but definitely there, there's lots to think about with integration, for sure.
1: Do you scope the, I guess, you know, you touched on what the goals are, Derek. I mean, how you set those goals realistically. For a company,
3: there's a lot of things to consider. So I use analogies all the time. But if somebody were to say, "I need a new house," oh, that's that's great. That's <laughs> people come to us and say we need to integrate our systems. It's the same thing. It's like okay, that's the, yeah, I, I totally get it. You maybe have a growing family, or maybe you need an additional uh, bedroom or a restroom or. You know, you want to remodel the kitchen, but the investment is too great, and it's just easier to to buy new. When we think about integrations, we ask that that why first, and then we've got to understand what we're working with. So, what systems are involved? Are you on a SaaS-based commerce solution? Are you on-premise? Or on-premise, what customizations have you made? Do you have an IT team? Do you have a third-party support team? We want to flush out who all these little worker bees are, who's involved in maintaining your digital house and what components are existing so that we can start building out a plan for how do we get to that goal, given these existing systems, existing processes. So there's a lot of discovery that happens. The why question is what we call our define phase. Why are we here? We, we define out all of that. The discovery is, is next is, okay, now that we know why, let's figure out all those um, pieces that we have to work with to get to the design. Like how do we architect this building? How do we draw up a blueprint? some plans for building that dream home or building that addition or remodeling your kitchen. It's very simple, very basic, but folks nowadays like to just jump to the end. They want it now, can't we just start integrating? You can, but like the three little pigs, you're building a house of sticks here. So let's, rushing is good to get immediate gratification, but when we're thinking about data, which can become very complex, let's pump the brakes a little bit, so. Eat the elephant in chunks.
2: That's good. That's totally what I was going to say. I love the good old fashioned white piece of paper to begin to, you know, just draw out your today state. What does it look like? Draw your worker bees, draw your systems. Please write in the version of things because that matters, right? Yeah. If somebody's using a NetSuite or a Sage 100, for example, what version? When, how old is this thing? Is this on the cloud? Is this on prem? Like write everything out and then flip it and write your future state because. This is one of my favorite things I learned from one of the dragons from Dragon's Den is they have a silly rule day. I think it's like once a month where all the people in the company can come up to the management team and say, this is a silly rule and we should get rid of it and here's why. And sometimes that happens between today's state and tomorrow's state. Maybe there's a system you don't need anymore. Maybe there's a process you don't need anymore. Maybe you don't need to put that data in that field anymore when you're done integration because of X, Y, Z reason. So I think that that's always a really interesting and fun part of mapping out the integration, just as Derek says, is let's get to the stuff that matters and let's not try and do instant gratification and set up exactly what we have today. Let's set up what makes sense for tomorrow.
3: Yeah, Lindsay, great point on, we, we get it all the time of, well, this is how we do things. And so the mindset is, so we'll continue to do them as such. And it's our job to challenge a lot of that. We're this agnostic outside observer. And in many cases, just because you did it A to B to C, and that has worked, sometimes we have to look at E to F to G as an alternative solution that might actually improve time to market, cost and reduce some of the inefficiencies that you've been used to or accustomed to with the A to B to C approach, right? So don't just accept, and this is, it's in the ebook, don't just accept your old process as the new process mm-hmm. going forward. Challenge that and focus on it. Now is the time to do that because once you get into it, it's really hard to turn that ship once you're committed to um, a lot of these models.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You touched on this, taking on too much at once, right? Boiling the ocean. What do you think is a realistic kind of chunk to take off and is it a one month project is it a three month project is it a you know one year project how do you see kind of scoping it so that you can get some successful outcomes quickly
2: here's my perspective on this and it would be take a step back and look at your business and if 82% of your business comes from a certain channel let's start there and let's start with the thing that's the heaviest lift so if it's orders for example That's how I would break it up into chunks and maybe phases and definitely agreeing as a team at the outset what those milestones will be so that you can track to something. At times, there's dependencies. So maybe orders needs to be done at the same time as shipping workflow, for example. So there's dependencies like that. But I would say rather than boil the ocean, pick your top horse and start there to make the biggest impact. Derek, what do you
3: think? Yeah, uh, you know, I've been at American Eagle for a baker's dozen, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in digital agency speak, that's like four centuries. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a unicorn of sorts. Uh, and a lot of employees here are, are, are like that. There's a lot of marketing that puts out that integrations are easy. You just click and go and you're done in a day. And, and that's true for some use cases. I don't want to dismiss that as not possible. But for automation in e-commerce, especially in B2B, it's not easy. It is hard, and let's just be open about that and just observe that and just recognize that that's just the condition it is. What I like to tell folks, another great one here is, uh, you can't make a baby in one month with nine mothers. It it doesn't work out like that. It, It takes one mom, nine months to make that baby. Integrations are very similar to that. It takes time to get a good one built, developed, And when the baby is born, when you think you're done with the integration, you're not. You've just hit a milestone. Your integration has to learn to crawl. It has to learn to walk. It has to learn to run. It's Mm -hmm. got to grow up. When you start looking at it through that lens of let's tackle this in what's most important to business first, that's not terribly time consuming to implement. And you keep iterating on that and improving it and learning as you go. Your outcome is gonna be a happier child, a more successful child. And that, that's gonna say, did we hit our goal of XYZ? You, you sure did because you've tackled it the right way.
2: You're right, every business is a snowflake. They're all different. Okay. Integration is not easy. And um, I think part of part of the cool thing is that our three companies, are Jitterbit, eBridge, and American Eagle, we've all been through a lot of different integrations. So we sort of we have the the scars to prove it, and we we've learned a lot. So we truly are domain experts because we've been through the the storm and got to the other side. So it's it's sort of perseverance, right?
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, if I could package everything up and resell it, uh, let's say as a integrated solution between some. Enterprise ERP and enterprise commerce system. I'd be retired. The reality is, there it, no. it's it's created this bald spot and uh, some of these white white hairs popping up. Um, I do have three kids as well, so I guess that plays into it. But it is definitely a snowflake scenario. They're, the the building blocks are the same, right? When you think about ice or mm-hmm. snow, it's same elements, same components, but each is unique in the end. So that's that's what we've got here is very unique things. But they sort of fall into these similar processes or buckets. I do want to point out with Jitterbit, they have a a concept of processes and templates, recipes, process templates to help facilitate some of these common use cases. A recipe in in Jitterbit language is a point-to-point integration that solves for a very basic scenario, i.e. I've got an email marketing system. I've got a context list in there. I need to synchronize it to my CRM. That's a recipe. There's a solve for that that's pretty turnkey, right? That's the easy peasy stuff. They've got process templates. This is an e-commerce land where you think about an order export, where we've got multiple steps, maybe multiple systems involved. They've got all of that laid out for us so that we don't have to do a lot of that repeat work as a repeatable uh, object. We're recycling it. So when we can recycle things, we're certainly saving time and money. And, and that's, that's helping the merchant out. So
1: That's awesome. You talked about building the right team, you know, a number of times. I mean, who's members of that right team? And how do you pull that cross-functional team together to ensure that you've got all the insights that you need and, and information that you need to start where you need to start and, you know, kind of build on that?
3: My perspective is going to be through the lens of we need to help a business out, maybe as an advisor, as a consultant, or as an as the implementer. Jitterbit and uh, eBridge both work directly with merchants and partners like us. So their lens is going to be a little bit different in the sense of how that end user, that merchant, you guys, the audience is supported. So
2: Yeah. So it's kind of like a superhero movie. You have to assemble the team. I also have children, so I'll use that, that reference watch too many marvel movies lately i completely think this is one of the most important things nobody has an empty calendar everybody's busy but it's super important to have the right people at least involved at different milestones of the project so a great great example is is a web agency so if uh, a web agency came and created the beautiful new store it's important for them to be at least advising the end merchant on this integration. And then same story from the VAR perspective or the value added reseller of an ERP, for example. If somebody onboarded a Sage or a Microsoft ERP, it's super important for them to be involved too. And then obviously the the merchant has some say, all the people at the company that have to touch that. There's lots of different departments that likely touch a sales order, for example. And just a subject matter expert. I think that's key. And then making sure that you're checking in with the executive team to make sure that you don't get six months into the project and, you know, you went way over budget or they weren't aware and they wanted you to add this one thing in. So I would have assembling the team being super important without taking way too many cycles from everyone.
3: Yeah. And so we're talking to the same folks, right? We're talking to the merchant. We're talking to the VARs. We're talking to the platform companies, a lot of those system companies as well. and. The end user is the merchant, right? They are the ones who have these outcome expectations. So to us, they are the most important person to satisfy in our engagement on these processes. What we found is that a lot of the times the request comes from somebody within the org that doesn't have the authority for the organization to manage an integration with their business, right? So for an example, the marketing team is frustrated that they can't, going back to that example earlier, they've got an email marketing system, let's just call it Marketo, and they've got a CRM, maybe it's HubSpot, and the two systems are siloed and they are not connected. And they are frustrated because we can't have that buzzword bingo moment, customer 360, of seeing how the interaction on the Marketo side is interacting on the sales side with CRM. They have that integration need. Now, there might be an IT team there that's behind those implementations. They might have a partner. We've got to lay out all these Lego pieces, understand who the players are, who's involved, but then also get alignment from various people. So often we'll have a reflective resource on the client side as we have on ours. So we have a project manager on our side to manage the the engagement. We'll need someone who's that authority, that point of contact on the merchant side, right? And it might be the business owner. It might be that marketing team manager. It's someone that is an authority to manage the resources on their side. We'll have an implementer, and often there isn't an implementer on the other side, but if there is, we're teaching them and training them on what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it. We want them to become self-sufficient. I don't want a phone call of, how do I change this field map to first name to last name? That's not a good use of our time. I don't want to charge you money for that. Uh, Let me teach you how to do it, and you do it yourself. Call us for the stuff that gives you heartburn at night. Same thing for testing, same thing for launch. We want to have alignment of resources from our side to your side. And then we'll want to track all of that in a repository of knowledge, right? A place where six months down the road, we say, well, why is it done this way? Or who decided that? Or tell me more about this field by field mapping. We've got a place of documentation to refer to that everyone has access for that we keep building upon.
1: Yeah, great point, Eric. You know, you mentioned kind of the documentation. How do you gather all this information that you need so that you can create the right plan from the different constituencies that you're working with?
3: You get Peggy. You get that post-it note off her keyboard, or her monitor. <laughs> uh, you get any technical docs from uh, you know that ERP provider and or VAR you collate a lot of stuff, right? Again, I mentioned Lego pieces earlier. That's the best visual in my head for it is we need to find all those pieces, right? And some of them are going to step on and they're going to hurt your foot. Some are (laughs) going to look pretty odd, but they fit into the puzzle. You got to get everything laid out and and collected, and then you've got to start organizing it. And so that's where when we think about organization, it's what are the milestones that we're working towards? What are those things that we're integrating with that we can start picking the right pieces up? really digesting them and putting them in a place. We use, just to share openly, we use Confluence for all of our knowledge tracking, right? And it's great because it's tied to JIRA. JIRA is great for task management. If we have any tasks that need to be assigned internally, we can, but we can also assign them to our, to our merchants, our customers, or our partners. So we can work collaboratively, right? It's a we thing, it's not American Eagle, you go do all the work and don't talk to us. It's, it's definitely, everybody's gotta be talking, another analogy. PB&J sandwich, right? There's systems. You've got, uh, let's say, CRM and, and marketing automation. Those are the pieces of bread. We can dress up one side with some peanut butter and someone else can dress up the jelly. And We got to put it all together and to make the sandwich. So Individually, they're very boring. A piece of bread, some jam, some PB, but together they make a delicious sandwich. And that's what we're <laughs> looking to achieve.
1: You're just you're the master of analogies, Derek. I got, I love I it. got a lot. <laughs> a
3: lot of isms, too.
2: I love that analogy. It's all
3: centered around uh, kids' stuff. I love it. I got three of them, sir. <laughs> four, six, and eight. I love it. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, kids require a lot
1: of purchases as well. Well, funny, <laughs> funny,
3: we're talking about kids. I've used this analogy too. Data is dirty. And you're like, oh, Derek, how are you going to relate this to kids? Well, my kids get dirty. And I fear the day that they become teenagers because I hear it gets real, real stinky then. But. <laughs> Data is dirty and data is fickle, right? And it's that way because there's a human element to it, right? There's human interaction. Someone is filling out a form on a website. Google Analytics is tracking your behaviors, right? And your behaviors might be erratic. They might be normal. They, they might be whatever, but there's a human component to it. But it's all funneling into data that we want to consume and use as a business to gain insights about our customers, maybe ourselves and operations. We all just strive need to do better. So without integrations, there's no means for you to clean up your data. And I like to tell folks that the only currency a business has that's really important, besides their employees, <laughs> is their data. That's their digital currency that they need to invest in early because the sooner you get your house of data in order in a cleaner format, the greater your return will be for business. And so I hear it all the time of like, well, we're gonna wait on doing that PIM project because of X, Y, Z, or we don't really need to automate the orders because of this, that, and the other thing. And that's okay, there's probably some valid reasons, but the sooner you start, the more return you'll have on that and the happier your customers will be in business will be. So invest in your children, keep them clean, and the family will be happier. (laughs) That's great. Get a dog. That's great.
1: <laughs> well, thanks both. I mean, I uh, you know we could cover a lot more, but I, I'd like to get to some questions. I see some popping up here, and you can elaborate on you know your insights when we answer some questions. But why don't we move to the Q&A? And since this is a fireside chat, and we want to cover whatever you folks are interested in hearing from Lindsay and Derek. So if you do have questions, you can enter them in the Q&A console at the bottom. Someone wants to know, Derek, tell me about your first integration project and how did that go?
3: Uh, so I, I said I've been here at Baker's Dozen. When I started at American Eagle, I was working in our content management department. Shortly thereafter, I got in our commerce department. That's where, short of sports at the time, was the department that you wanted to be in. Commerce was really exciting for me 13 years ago, and it's, it's still exciting to this day. My first memorable client, I know there were some, maybe some softballs or some not so fun projects. But my first memorable integration was with Beretta USA. It's actually the world's oldest company. That's a stat. You can look that up on Wikipedia. They've been around since the 1600s. That aside, we had to integrate their commerce application with their ERP. Very common ask. And this was 13 years ago, that ERP is JD Edwards. But JDE for folks who are in the know, 13 years ago, wasn't a system that um, was very friendly to web integrations or to power website. and. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, that's, for many ERPs, still the story today is they were never built around powering a website or integrating with a website in real time. Of course, everybody wants real time, but man, that sure is hard when you're dealing with some of these ERPs. That being said, I learned a lot about things we talked about today through that project, right? Not taking on too much. I mean, business wanted to do a whole heck of a lot. Having the right folks assembled on their side, I had one point of contact to start and then by the end, we had a team from Beretta that was supporting this integration, right? Because they business realized that they needed to buy into this, this model just as much as the next guy. Documentation was super critical. It's easy to just say, you need to do this and do that and go off and do it. The hard part is documenting what you did. And it seems like a real trivial task. But in two years, three years, whenever you need to look back on why, what, and how, you've got something to refer back. And it's not in my head. I mean, that's the worst is when it's in someone's head. I learned a lot on that. It was a long time ago, but they've been a customer since. They're happy. They keep growing. So I feel like we've created this partnership because of the integration that we built.
1: That's awesome. Lindsay, anything to add about uh, you know your first encounter with integration? Yeah.
2: yeah, unrelated. I just got a new Brita, so that was good timing. <laughs> Well, I've been at eBridge and now it's a jitterbit company uh, for for over five years. But one of my favorite stories is the way that eBridge got its start. And I'll just get to it quickly. It won't be a long story. But, you know, we also do EDI integration at at eBridge. And um, there was a customer who sold hubcaps and he had a whole pile of hubcaps and he had to sell them to a retail trading partner in-store. But in order to do that, he had to do EDI and without it, he's going to go bankrupt. And so it's just amazing how you can help the little guy survive and even compete with the bigger guys just through data integration. It's pretty amazing, right? Whereas you just picture these things are worthless unless they're on the shelves of a store or unless they're on the Mm -hmm. shelves of a e-commerce store, right, for example, so Anyway, it's a little cheesy, but honestly, it's just kind of cool to enable these real people, real stories, real companies to to actually sell. What are the top
1: e-commerce platforms you see people using? And you mentioned this, but it also sounds like most people are using multiple e-commerce platforms.
2: Yeah. Actually, Gartner just released their Magic Quadrant for digital commerce over the summer. And uh, it's a great read if you've got some time, but Definitely the key players in the e-commerce space that we see, the Shopify, Shopify Plus, Magento, Adobe. We see big commerce a lot and WooCommerce, and there's a ton of other players in that space. Um, Some big, some small, some suited well for certain industry, for example. And then absolutely those marketplaces. I mean, they're advertising on the channels that you're watching and then they're the Amazons of the world too. So there's one suited for you depending on your needs and your price point and where you want to take it. And they definitely have avenues for you to grow within. So choose the one that you think is right, but I could talk for hours about e-commerce platforms, but I won't do that to you.
3: Yeah. And we'd be happy if you guys are going through a platform selection process or just need help getting through the marketing Kool-Aid that's out there, we're happy to help. We're partners with about a dozen different e-commerce applications. Some are more focused on B2C, some more to B2B, some more Marketplace or B2B2C. That aside, we're not incentivized to push any one platform. We're we're partners with them all. We're great partners with them all. We want to put you in the right vehicle to reach success, right? You know, I'm not going to sell you a four-cylinder Honda if you need a V8 pickup truck to tow your boat. We got to put you in the right vehicle to do the right thing. Job, so we can help you with that. Certainly, everything Lindsay said for platforms we are aligned with. They're all unique, though. Integrating them is—it's not the same. It's—it's definitely unique.
1: Great. So we have a question here. How do you make a business case to obtain a budget for integration projects?
2: We get this question a lot. I'm Derek. I'm sure you do too. I take—I love Excel. So I'd open up an old Excel sheet and type this out. But you really—you calculate how many orders? Let's talk about orders are you getting from a particular channel? And let's say you think it takes three minutes to enter an order in manually to your ERP, for example. Well, if you get 200 orders a day, you could easily calculate that. And then you could take the wage of a full-time person and put that against the pros and cons of actually automating this thing. And then one of my favorite things to talk about is just, if you're doing that, then what aren't you doing? So if you're focused on making sure that the pile of orders are getting Maintained, or you're getting shipping information out in time. Then your competitors are probably coming up with some crazy strategy you don't have time for. So they're selling where you're not. They're growing in ways that you can't. So that's definitely how I'd I'd say to make the business case.
3: You talk about keying in orders again as and measuring that monetarily. <laughs> we had a an opportunity a customer, now now customer of ours come to us and say, Hey, you know, we were listing on Amazon Marketplace and we're doing great, and mm-hmm. we've been keying in the orders into our ERP. It's Epicor CMS, which is actually an automotive ERP. And during their busy season, during the Christmas and holiday, they keyed in a handful of orders wrong. And nightmare that ensued with customer service and shipping and... Getting the right product mm-hmm. out, it didn't cost them money per se. Sure, there was some expedited shipping costs and, and things like that. It cost them certainly personnel time. It cost them yeah. user end-user frustration, which led to negative product reviews. Which you know everything's moving to social selling and that social influence model. It really cost the business so much that their CEO said, "Stop! Stop with this madness of manually entering a single order. You got to bring in automation." And it was that pain, right? There's often a little nugget of pain that we need to address. So my job is, as a solution architect here is to almost be like that doctor on that first visit where someone comes in and says, hey, I've got this tingle or I've got this ache, and I've got to ask enough questions to understand maybe what it could be, right? What, what are those symptoms that might have an underlying cause? Once I get to that underlying cause or, or thereabouts, that's when you can really start to explore the cost to a business or potential risk to the business, right? It might not have happened yet, but man, if you let that ache go too long, it might turn into a a knee replacement. So there's some triage that we can often do early. And if we can demonstrate that that's brought value to the business, then we might've stopped enough of the bleeding that, hey, we can keep humming along. Oftentimes it becomes, hey, I like that. That feels good. This is what we want. Let's keep going, right? So that's that crawl, walk, run, eat the elephant in chunks. That sort of gets that snowball rolling of integration is the right path. There is a a value here that is just hard to quantify until you have a taste of it.
1: Great. We've got a question from Chad. He says, how does a company's digital transformation play a role in this discussion? So I think you've touched on some of that, but maybe I'll throw that over to you, Derek, to uh, start with.
3: for you, it's playing uh, buzzword bingo again. Digital transformation. (laughs) we got to call it from the audience. I hear this a lot, right? And it's, that term has been accelerated because of the pandemic, right? A lot of companies yeah. were left in the dust, so to speak, when the pandemic happened, and they weren't digitally ready, right? They maybe had a, a storefront, but it wasn't marketed well or integrated, or they've been sitting on their hands saying, yeah, we don't have budget for this. And then they realized, hey, we need to find budget. If you just let your kids grow up without any parenting, they will become a person, and they might be a good person might be a bad person, you're not sure what they're going to be. The integration is like that parenting. You control, you keep your house in order, you provide structure to unstructured data or processes. If we think about digital transformation, integration is basically a necessity. And if you don't start doing it, if growth were to happen, if Oprah were to put you on a show and say, go, come buy this, you're going to be in bad shape. You know, we do WeatherTech as one of our customers and they air ads during the Super Bowl and they got a lot of integrations going on but it's uh, always scores in the top three websites in performance. And it's the only one that is actually transactional. Everything else is like a statically published page. So it's a content site. We have real time live integrations going on during Super Bowl ads, which it's bananas over here. Uh, We got (laughs) to keep that that going. So we can certainly help with, you know, how do you grow, how do you get there? How do you become the next weather tech? We want to make more of those guys. Integration is key.
2: It is. It is. I'd equate it to, here's a movie uh, recommendation for the upcoming weekend, Moneyball, (laughs) rewatch Moneyball, because I mean, the difference in the teams and Brad Pitt's and that, it is amazing when they start getting to leverage and look at their data, right? You can really look at it from a different standpoint and take your team somewhere you've never been before. It's a bit cheesy, but great movie.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I have not seen it. I I, edited the list.
2: Oh, you gotta watch it! You gotta
1: watch it. We've also got a couple questions here about specific integrations and list of partners. So Benjamin asked, "Are integrations available with InkSoft? And can we get a Can we get a list of partners you work with to start the process to choose who to work with on integrations?"
2: Through one of the cool things about eBridge being acquired by Jitterbit, and now Jitterbit as a whole is there's so many endpoints and, and connectors out there to, to use. So drop by the, the website at Jitterbit and see all of the different endpoints that have been connected to in, in the past. And just reach out. Reach out anytime if there's something that you want to connect to that you don't see. Just reach out, talk to us. eBridge has lots of experience in this domain as well. But if there's a will, there's a way.
3: I would just again point out there's a nice library or uh, marketplace of connections and connectors to various systems, all sorts of acronyms. I'm not going to bore you to death with them. (laughs) You can also build your own. So if there isn't one, there's certainly a model to make it happen.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point.
1: What's new with integration tools?
3: Oh, what's new? So candidly, like all the systems that we work on, we work on commerce systems, CMS, content systems, uh, CRMs, We also work on integration systems, so Jitterbit isn't our only partner in this space, nor is eBridge. We have others as well, and they do come with their own flair and flavor and utility and capability. The process templates is one of the new components of Jitterbit. Think of it as a skeleton workflow tool for executing more complex things, so not your basic point-to-point, but when there's maybe a multi-step or multi-systems, Involved various points of integration through that workflow or stream. And maybe what I like, one piece of jitter that I really do appreciate is environment control. So when we start looking up market to a mid market or enterprise customer, we are not working on live data, right? We need to work in environments that are safe to screw up in, right? And deal with all of this bad data. The ability to segment those environments, but then also publish into. So as you approve things in a non production environment and want them to go live, it's really easy to do with Jitterbit. Maybe another thing I should talk about that I love is the documentation. As boring as that is, uh, nobody wants to talk about it. It's there, it's useful, and it it makes self-servicing very easy. You don't need to, if you aspire to figure things out yourself, can. So a lot of our customers, we want to, again, help them learn how to use things. But many times they go off and they do that self-education and they become all-stars real quick. So we're building a, a really good team um, a lot faster than maybe with some other uh, partners of ours.
2: That's cool. I, I'm going to add one thing, which is as the e-commerce space grows and matures, integration's kind of changing along with it. And one of the, the neat things is um, just for example, a firm or after pay or there, Sezzle, there's a whole bunch of those sort of buy now, pay laters. It's fun to see that kind of order data get put into the system. Obviously B2B and, b to c and d to c and there's so many acronyms, that's kind of changing integration too, right? And then an, another thing is just the volume of orders that we see or transactions that we see used to happen in this huge peak right around Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And now sometimes that integration volume increase is happening even earlier or through COVID, it was happening in different spurts. So it's just, it's fun to see that the integration space is changing just along along the same path as e-commerce in general.
3: Yeah, and I, I've seen a shift in the last couple of years that uh, of the adoption of SaaS-based solutions. Right, everybody wants it to be managed by someone else. Right, we don't want to have the IT to maintain the versioning or maintain the uh, maintenance of the application. Move it to SaaS, especially in the commerce world. Yeah, uh, and we all know about Shopify and how they're they're run up here, and it's it's been fantastic to see. The challenge with that is as a SaaS solution any real-time integrations right these are things on the site in the context of the end user if we need to communicate to an erp or to some of those back office systems securely effectively efficiently many times those systems don't have a mechanism for that jitterbit can actually surface an api a, a data highway for us to communicate securely to those back office systems. It can act as like that middleman, that that proxy, which is a really powerful tool for us as an agency to, again, build those rich experiences, right? People, buzzword bingo, want frictionless. You can't do that if if you're doing it post-order or if you're doing it on a batch process, you don't have real-time information. When you get real-time, that's when the fun really starts to happen. It's great.
1: Thanks both. We've got a question about the slides that go with the conversation. We'll do even better. We will be sending all of you the link to the e-commerce integration book that we mentioned that this conversation is based on. It details in lots more detail what some of the things that uh, Lindsay and Derek have shared here today. So uh, I think with that, that looks like our last question, and we're almost at the top of the hour. So I will thank you all for joining us today and remind you that we will send you a replay of the conversation we had today, as well as the ebook. and we welcome you to reach out to us if you've got questions or want more information about how to tackle these types of projects. And thanks again yeah. for joining us. And if anybody <laughs> wants to
3: give us a call and have me give you a quick little assessment, a little diagnosis uh, on your thanks. integration aches and pains, we're, we're happy to do that.
1: Thanks, Derek. Thank you. Take okay,
0: care, folks. Thank you for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you like this episode, be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen and stay up to date with us. While you're at it, give us a rating and share this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Lessons for Tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, and I'll catch you in the next lesson.